4: this man, black media. He makes sure that
5: our stories are told.
6: I thank you for being the voice of black America, Roland. Hey, I love
5: y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The
7: video looks
1: phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and black-owned media and something
6: like CNN. You can't be black-owned media and be skate. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home, you dig? Today is Monday, October 17, 2022. Coming up, on am Martin on filter, streaming live on the Black Star Network. We're live in Valdosta, Georgia. Today is the first day of early voting uh, in the critical elections here in this state. Midterm elections are happening all around the country. Early voting is starting not just here in Georgia, but other places as well. Uh, we'll talk to folks here in Valdosta about this campaign where, of course, Stacey Abrams is facing incumbent Brian Kemp for the gubernatorial uh, race. And, of course, uh, Senator Raphael Warnock uh, is uh, facing Herschel Walker. He wants to win a full six-year term for the United States Senate. So we'll be discussing that race. Also, folks, uh, the police shooting with Mississippi Teen continues to raise lots of questions. The family of Jaheen McMillan, they want answers as they plan for his funeral this weekend. We'll talk with his mother as well as their attorney, Ben Crump. Uh, Folks, remember two weeks ago we told you about uh, the Kansas City, um, Missouri Police Department uh, said they had no evidence uh, of a serial killer targeting African-Americans. That was reported by uh, the Kansas City Defender. Uh, and it looks like a black woman says that she escaped uh, from the basement of a white man and said several of her friends were murdered by that man. We will talk with Ryan Sorrell, the founder and editor of the Kansas City Defender, uh, with regards to what's happening there. Kevin Delion. Uh, is one of the two remaining Latino council members in Los Angeles, who refuses to resign after making racist comments captured uh, on audio tape. Well, yesterday, Black Lives Matter Los Angeles began camping out at his home. We will talk with melina Abdullah, who is a leader of Black Lives Matter grassroots. Uh, also, folks, we'll show you a viral video uh, of a special needs uh, black man in Milwaukee uh, who was uh, being held captive by a white man, accusing him of stealing a bike. Well. Black protesters showed up at that white man's house. He wasn't too happy, but he caught that heat. We'll show you that as well, folks. Oh, we're covering that, and lots more. It is time to bring the funk. I'm rolling Bark Unfiltered with a Black side Network. Let's go. He's got it.
8: Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is.
6: It has been nearly two weeks since Gulfport, Mississippi police shot and killed 15-year-old Jahim uh, McMillan his family. Uh, they want answers, and some of that may come when police release the body cam footage uh, of the shooting. Witnesses say uh, that uh, McMillan was walking out of a store when the officers shot him. Police say the teen had a gun. Witnesses say he was unarmed. Uh, The conflicting stories have pushed protesters to demand that police uh, have transparency about releasing the body cam footage taken the day that he was shot. Now, on Saturday, Black Lives Matter Mississippi uh, and the Mississippi Rising Coalition held a rally uh, to demand justice for Jaheen. Mississippi Public uh, Safety Director Sean Tindall says footage will be released to the public once the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation analyzes the footage. Civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump and Jaheim's mother Katrina Mateen are here joining us right now. Uh, I'm glad to have both of you here. First of all, um, uh, Ms. Mateen, sorry for your son's loss all too often. We have to talk uh, to mothers like yourself uh, in these uh, situations. Uh, first and foremost, um, uh, again, this took place two weeks ago. Um, how were you alerted uh, as to what took place between Gulfport Police Gulf, Gulfport Police? Uh, and your son uh, on that fateful day?
9: Um, A friend of the family called me and said that my my son has been shot. (laughs)
6: Uh, Obviously, uh, it is still uh, a lot to deal with. Uh, You are in the midst of having to plan his uh, funeral for uh, this weekend. Uh, I want to um, uh, pull up uh, Ben Crump now, uh, and Ms. Patina, I'll give you an opportunity uh, to um, to certainly uh, gather yourself, and it's very difficult, obviously, to have to talk about uh, these uh, shootings when it's still so fresh and you still haven't uh, been your son. Uh, Ben Crump, um, I'm, I'm trying to understand... For for them to say that they're waiting to analyze the footage, it happened two weeks ago. Um, How long does it take to analyze body cam footage?
10: You know, Roland, as I I watch Katrina just agonize over this tragedy, Um, her 15-year-old son killed by the very people who are supposed to protect and serve her... We know, Roland, this is the playbook. They delay, delay, delay in hopes that people will forget about it and they can sweep it under the rug. But thank God for Katrina, her family, and the activists demanding transparency. We're going to file a public records lawsuit to release the video. Nine states like Mississippi and Alabama, their Supreme Court's fight to say, you don't get any transparency. but. They cannot deny people like you, Roland, and us continuing to fight in the court of public opinion to say, if you have nothing to hide, why don't you release the video? Because we all know, Roland Martin, we've been doing this too long, that if that video showed Jaheim with a gun, they would already released it and it would be all over the news by now.
6: Uh, this uh, reminds me uh, of the case that you were involved with uh, in Houston, again, where uh, a cop said one thing, and once the body cam footage came out, it showed uh, that uh, the young man did not have a gun and how the, how the police rolled up. And so you're absolutely right. Uh, again, we, we showed the video last week of the police chief uh, uh, sharing uh, his information. But again, to sit here uh, and say we're, two, we're two, almost two weeks uh, away, uh, the family is preparing to, to, to bury uh, this young man and they still have not uh, shown that. And you're right, it's very simple. If if he had a gun, as they say it, as they say uh, he did, then the video should clearly show that.
10: Yeah, and, and Roland Martin, you know, Attorney Monique Preston and I, we argued and fought to get the video released in Houston, Texas uh, with Joshua Feast. We're gonna have to do that with Jaheim McMillan. Uh, but, The other thing that is just outrageous is once they had shot him in the head, they then put him in handcuffs, you know? Why didn't they try to give him medical assistance? Why do they have to treat our children like animals? I mean, clearly at that point, he's no threat. He's no way putting you in fear. Why don't you try to help save his life, preserve his life? Why aren't you using your training and professionalism for this black life why do you treat it as if it has no value? Uh, where is the humanity? And I think that's why Katrina is having such a difficult time when she processes it all, and we just have to continue to pray for the family and fight for justice for Jaheim. Uh,
6: Katrina, obviously, when uh, whenever these uh, cases happen, uh, police, uh, they have one perspective. They have to try to frame uh, who... Uh, the individual was, uh, for folks uh, who don't know. Uh, tell them uh, who your son Jahim was.
9: Jaheim, he was a lovable person. He was a good brother. And he loved his friends. He my son. My son was—he was not disrespectful.
6: <laughs> well, I don't want to—I um, don't want to. Um, I want—I want folks to understand that again. When these things happen, uh, Ben Crump, uh, these are human beings. These are individuals. Uh, who are children? Uh, who are uh, nephews, uh, nieces, cousins, uh, siblings? Uh, and, uh, and and they're simply not um, just another random case. And I think it's important for folks to understand that they also go beyond just being a hashtag. Uh, and so, uh, and I totally understand uh, it is very difficult for Katrina uh, to have to talk about uh, her son in the past tense, if you will, because. Uh, he's lost his life, and that's one of the points that I consistently say, Ben, uh, you can't come back from death. And, uh, and too often we've seen where force was used, uh, unfortunately, uh, taking the lives of uh, many young black men, and that's why it is important for police uh, to be forthright and honest about what took place uh, at that particular convenience store that led to the death of Jaheim McMillan. Uh, ben, final comment.
10: Roland, thank you for continuing to put a spotlight on Jaheim McMillan. Obviously, Gulfport police is acting as if he doesn't matter, but you can see to Katrina, he matters, to their family, to their community, he matters. And thank God, Roland Martin, for you and the audience of uh, people all over America who watch your show every day, especially black people. Let's continue to fight to get to truth and transparency. So hopefully, we can get justice for Jaheim. That's what Katrina wants more than anything, that her son, death, will not be in vain, and that these who killed him, I mean, he's 15 years old, for God's sake, uh, should be held accountable for taking him from this
6: earth far, far too soon. Uh, indeed, uh, indeed. Ben Crump appreciate really it. appreciated. Uh, Katrina, thank you so very much for joining us. Again, I know how difficult uh, this is uh, for you uh, and your family, uh, and we certainly will continue to cover this story and to see it through uh, and to get the uh, transparency and justice that you and others uh, are looking for.
11: Okay. We
6: we'll appreciate it. Thank right. you very much. I'm going to bring in my panel right now, uh, Dr. Julianne Malvo, she's the Dean of the College of Ethics Studies at California State University in Los Angeles, Dr. Amakongo Dabinga, professorial lecturer at the School of International Service at American University, Uh, and Georgia State Representative Renita Shannon. I'm glad to have all three of you here. Um, Julianne, I'll start with you. Um, uh, What is strange to me, and Ben makes a great point, that again, this shooting takes place almost two weeks ago, uh, Georgia Bureau investigation analyzing the footage. We're talking about a video, talking about body cam footage, like literally it can be uploaded immediately. Um, let's say you look at it in 24, 48 hours. I think about the case, I think it was in Columbus, Ohio, uh, where the young girl uh, actually had stabbed another young girl and uh, the story began to circulate very quickly that she was charged, but she was shot and killed by the cops, she was charged by the cops, she did not have a knife. Well, Columbus, Ohio police had that video up within 12 hours to shut down all the speculation. It's not like it takes two weeks.
11: Well, Roland, I think you made the appropriate point in your conversation with Ben Crump. If there is nothing to hide, why hide? Clearly there is something to hide. There's something fishy about this, and we know it's more than fishy. It's just GD <clears throat> murder. This young man, 15 years old, not even beginning to uh, experience life as he might, killed, be- and who knows why. All we know is that police have a license to kill black people. Few of them have consequences for their actions. A few do. If you look at that cute face, I mean, come on now. This is absurd, look at the innocence in his face. But this, these so-called officers of the law have a license to kill, and our job has, has to be to push back. And you, Roland Martin, have done an amazing job of lifting up these cases because if we didn't lift them up, they'd get swallowed. You know, black life is cheap for these people and their life needs to be cheap for us. They need to be arrested, tried, prosecuted, and then thrown up under somebody's jail. This is absurd.
6: Congo, uh, it is, um, I mean, when you think about this here, I mean, you have a 15-year-old shot and killed almost two weeks. He hasn't been buried yet. You still don't have answers uh, at, as, as, as to what took place. Uh, it is important for police. I get investigations, but it is important to be able to show uh, what took place because if the video shows he had a gun, well, then that means what those witnesses uh, say uh, simply isn't the case. We've seen other examples where that took place, where witnesses say, oh, no, a person didn't have a gun. Then we saw the video. We see on the flip side. Where police said somebody had a gun, and then the video showed that was not the case.
12: Yeah, and you know, to, to be quite honest, I'm still gathering myself because you know it's just hard to see a black woman's pain like that, just, just just live and raw. And what you're saying is absolutely right, Roland. If the the police across the country will do anything at any time to show that they were on the right side, and so when they let something like this persist for weeks. we're already naturally suspicious of what's going on. And when they do this, they actually do have this mentality that for some reason we're going to forget. And if events, at the very least, since George Floyd and even earlier than that with cases like Sandra Bland and the like, they should know by now that that we're not going to forget, we're not going to let this go because of the Black Star Network. We're able to keep the, the pressure on these, these organizations. And when I think about Jaheim, when I think about his family, you know, my son just celebrated his eighth birthday yesterday. My, my second child just started ninth grade, same grade as, as Jaheim was in. This is every child, every family, anywhere in our community. It doesn't matter what your economic status is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anything. We have all seen this too much. And so this police department needs to understand that these lives matter to us. They are our children, our sons, our daughters, our siblings, our parents, our aunts and uncles. And really, at the end of the day, we also have to make sure two things. Number one, the Justice Department gets involved as these people continue to walk slowly with this. And also, Roland, we have to politicize this because we have to remember that if we can get this house control, or maintain house control, and increase our representation in the Senate, then we get that George Floyd police reform bill, and we'll have more teeth to be able to go after these departments who slay our family members like this.
6: Representative Shannon, uh, we have seen where a number of states have actually passed laws making it difficult for people to be able to access uh body cam footage i mean this is one of those things that is uh critically important uh in order for the public to trust uh, what we hear from police because at the end of the day many of us cannot trust what they say
9: absolutely and the thing that the public also has to do is start asking the people that you elect what they think about how much power police have and how much police accountability there needs to be and what is their specific plan. Because I can tell you, both Democrats and Republicans vote every single day to give police more power. And that is, you know, so we cannot just assume that with the right election, something will be done about this issue. Most elected officials don't even want to talk about police accountability issues. I know because I've been talking about it for years and it's been pretty lonely talking about the accountability that we need to see for police officers. My heart completely breaks for this family. I think too many people don't realize how police murder and police brutality really destroys the lives of countless families, and it's disproportionate in our community. But the question that we need to answer here right now, I think this conversation honestly has the wrong focus, because the question should be, why did police shoot Jaheen? That should be the question, not whether or not he had a gun. And the reason why I say that is because we see countless mass shootings where young white men, when police arrived to the Seen, they are, They've already been made aware that these young white men have killed 10, 12, five individuals, have uh, weapons that are generally seen in wartime, j- weapons that are seen that the, that the military would use, and they still manage to take these young men and these young white men in without a scratch, and they get to see their day in court. So I don't want us as black people to continue the conversation of whether or not this person had a gun or not, because we know the reality is police are capable, when they want to, of bringing in folks, regardless of the type of weapon that they have and also whether or not they have a weapon. So the question that needs to be answered here is why did they choose to shoot Jaheen Because that's what they did. They chose to shoot him. They chose to end his life. And this is why I'm so grateful that you're covering this story, Roland. You always cover these stories. And it's important because the media does not want to cover how often this happens. And this happens a lot more than people realize.
6: All right, folks, hold tight one second. Uh, We come back. Uh, Black woman escapes from the basement of a white man in Kansas City, uh, who she says uh, he raped and tortured her and that several of her friends did not get out alive. We'll talk with the uh, leader of the Kansas City Defender about this particular story, also. Uh, we'll also uh, talk about today being the first day of early voting here in Georgia. We're broadcasting from Valdosta, Georgia. Uh, and of course, uh, all eyes are on this state. Democrats, of course, uh, are 50 50 in the United States Senate with Republicans. And so uh, Republicans desperately want the Senate seat of uh, incumbent Raphael Warnock. And Democrats want to hold on to that as they try to hold on to that majority. And also expand their majority by looking at other states, including Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Florida, and others. And so we'll be talking about all of that uh, right here in Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Don't forget to download the Black Star Network app available on all platforms. Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Of course, you can also support us uh, with your resources by joining our Brina Funk fan club. Uh, check in money orders. Go to PO Box 57196. Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R-Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is Roland at RolandSMartin.com. Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. And uh, be sure to get a copy of my book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. available on all platforms. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indie Books. Uh, Also, Books a Million, uh, Bookshop, Chapters, uh, Target. You can also order from your favorite black bookstore and download it on the audible app as well and the folks who are watching on youtube facebook uh twitch instagram also the app be sure to hit the like and share button as well we'll be right back
13: when we invest in ourselves our glow our vision our vibe we all shine Together, we are black beyond measure.
4: Welcome to Atlanta, one of the most expensive housing markets in America. But rather than help out, Brian Kemp cashed in. He made hundreds of thousands of dollars in real estate. His net worth skyrocketed. And while Atlantans struggled to stay in their homes, Kemp gave $10,000 tax handouts to the richest Georgians and a nearly $700 million no-bid contract to his campaign donor. Brian kicked back Kemp making georgia work for him not you
13: when we invest in ourselves we all shine together we are black beyond measure
1: you know what's on the ballot it's not just legislation and policies we believe in it's democracy our democracy there's a choice on the ballot between freedom and fear between cruelty and compassion between chaos and community, between voting or violence, and the end of rights generations have fought for. The extremists have a plan, a roadmap for a nation where your voice is silenced and your vote is a memory, where they count their votes and cast ours aside. That's why this year, this fight, this vote is so important. Register, engage, Volunteer, fight back against the disinformation and despair, and most of all, vote. Because your vote is all that stands between our future and theirs.
3: Hatred
9: on the streets—a horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White
6: people are losing their damn minds.
9: Libraries empower the community with education. Liberia Economic Development Initiative, LEDI, is hosting the International Life Changers Awards and Liberia's Bicentennial to celebrate LEDI building the country's first modern public library and technology center. Join event host Roland Martin, our honorees, Reverend Dr. Jamal Bryant, Zernona Clayton, Thomas Dorch Jr., Dana Lupton, Dr. Tammy Graysteel, on October 29th at the CNN Center Atlanta. There are no public libraries in Liberia, but together we can change that. Get tickets at LEDINow.org.
8: This is
6: Judge Matthews. What's going on everybody? It's your boy Mac Wild. Hey what's up, y'all? It's your boy Jacob Lattimore and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. <laughs> All right, folks, welcome back. Uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting from Valdosta, Georgia. Let's talk about what's happening in Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City, Missouri, police uh, dismissed claims that uh, black women were being targeted by a serial killer. Yet uh, on Friday, Timothy Hassler, a 39-year-old white man, was arrested on suspicion of kidnapping and raping a 22-year-old black woman. The woman escaped his home while he dropped his child off at school. Now, she told police she'd been held captive since September. He repeatedly raped and beat her. She, she said that her friends did not make it out, meaning Hazlitt killed him. Now, uh, last month, uh, uh, a couple of folks, uh, community leaders there, uh, sounded the alarm that multiple black women and girls had been missing. The Kansas City Defender uh, reported uh, this uh, as well. Uh, reported missing women from Prospect Avenue. Now, a defender discovered Hazlitt to be a white supremacist, found his Facebook post talking about race wars as well as Breonna Taylor. Uh, Ryan Sorrell is the founding editor of the Kansas City Defender. Uh, and, Ryan, uh, glad to have you back to give us an update. And so uh, the, the woman said that her friends did not make it out. Um, what, what, is, what are police saying in terms of the investigation in his home? Uh, have they discovered uh, remains of others? Uh, are they saying anything at all?
17: Uh, They're keeping the investigation quiet at this point in time. And I also just want to preface the conversation with the fact uh, I know last time I was on the show, I was was calling for a reimagining. I think it's important that we as news outlets truly reimagine how we practice journalism, and I think that a lot of that is actually what contributed to how long this young black woman was kept captive, how long she was tortured, how long she was abused in this man's basement, was because we sounded the alarm, I think as you mentioned, we sounded the alarm on this specific issue. We said uh, a little over a month ago that community leaders were making these reports that black women were going missing, potentially being killed. And the Kansas City Police Department unequivocally, without reaching out to us, without reaching out to any community leaders and asking where these reports were coming from, they unequivocally said that these reports were completely unfounded. They did not take any time to investigate. They didn't take any time to look into why people were making these reports. And they said that they were completely unfounded and had zero evidence to back up these claims. Uh, And of course, come to find out a month later, and this young woman actually told Uh, The neighbors, because there are some interviews online that include testimonies from the neighbors who actually rescued her, and the neighbors said that she thought that she had been in that basement for two years. That's the type of psychological trauma that she has endured uh, after only a month of being in in that truly horrific situation. And so right now, the police department, the investigators aren't releasing any information because it's a a very ongoing investigation. There are multiple agencies involved. Uh, But I think that the police department itself has taken a very large credibility hit. Uh, And the larger conversation here is that black women are not being listened to that the community is not being listened to and that people prefer to listen to uh police departments and white news outlets because we our news outlet and the community at large the black community at large was took a lot of uh flack for reporting uh these claims that as we can see had a lot of credibility to them uh, in hindsight
6: we well we have uh every day in our show we have a segment called black and missing and so um, has, you said folks Here, there are a number of people who are missing. Have they posted those photos? Have they posted, um, their names and information, uh, in terms of actually showing that?
17: Oh, I think that that's the actual difficult part because, for instance, the woman who escaped, uh, she was not actually reported to the missing persons unit in the police department, but the issue is that a lot of these women who are preyed upon don't have people who can advocate for them. Go ahead.
6: Right. That's, no, I, I don't mean I, I don't mean coming from the police. What I'm saying, uh, any family members, uh, any anyone else uh, reporting these folks to be uh, these folks to be missing. Because uh, because when I think back, um, I don't. When I think back to the people we we actually uh, mention every day. I don't think we actually had one person. Uh, who uh, was from kansas city and so i'm saying as any any black media outlets actually uh solicit information from the public saying if you have a loved one who's missing send us their information so we can actually put that information out
17: definitely uh yeah they're, they're both myself and there's another news outlet in the area here called kansas city discover and they also they're a black news outlet and they very frequently uh solicit this information from the public but I think that the larger issue here is that the women who are being preyed upon don't have people uh, who can advocate for them who are sending this information to media outlets are sending they're not sending the, the information to the police department to file missing per- missing persons unit reports and so oftentimes in the case uh, this ex- this example is a very clear example of the woman who was held in the basement for over a month uh, no one, you know, reported her as missing, and clearly she was missing. Uh, And she said that two of her friends were murdered and we're still trying to gather as much information as we can uh, on on who those women were or if there are additional people missing, we don't know at this point in time, but we are just trying to gather as much information as we can.
6: The 22-year-old woman, um, who has she only talked to police investigators? Um, Has she talked to... Uh, anyone else as relates to what took place uh, with her? Uh, is she being uh, treated somewhere? Uh, what is her status?
17: Uh, well, yeah, right now she uh, is definitely just recovering. That's that's really the only information that we have. But what we do know is that when she escaped, uh, because she was able to escape whenever Timothy... Uh, went to—Timothy Hazlitt went to drop his son off at school, and she was able to escape. She had to get past a dog to escape, and she was able to run to a neighbor's house. And so there are actually interviews with the neighbors uh, from the Excelsior Citizen, and the Excelsior Citizen is actually who reached out to us to draw the connection in this case uh and the excelsior citizen has interviews on youtube right now with the neighbors who actually spoke directly to the woman and so they're the ones who spoke who mentioned that she thought that she was down there for two years they also mentioned that she very adamantly said that two of her friends had been murdered uh, by timothy hazlett jr as well Um, and they also said some additional information but i would just recommend people go and listen to it directly from from what those neighbors had to say
6: gotcha. So she was, she, she relayed that information to neighbors who related to media. My question is regarding that woman. Is she being, is she being treated and uh, is it from family members or the organizations uh, who is providing her assistance? Do you know that?
17: Yeah, no no one really had, right, we don't even know her name at this point because in the court documents, uh, the right now all we have is access to is the prosecutor's uh, the Clay County Prosecutor's probable cause statement, and they gave her an alias of T.J. And so we actually don't know who this woman actually is. But we All we know is that she is a black 22-year-old woman. Uh, and they said that the, the Clay County Prosecutor's Office said that she did get out of the hospital uh, and that she is being cared for and that she has been put in contact with a number of agencies. But, uh, yeah, we, we don't know very much information because, of course, she wants to keep her privacy at this point in time, so.
6: Are, are you and other black media outlets there in Kansas City, or are y'all establishing uh, a listing or a de- database of missing African Americans in that city um, to be able uh, to help, help folks? Uh, and are folks actually responding with information?
17: Uh, yeah, so we have already started to accumulate our own database. It's something that we, from the very beginning of this case, even when we were being, uh, you know, admonished and even when we were being, uh, you know, called out by all types of news outlets truly across the country, uh, we we remain steadfast with our community, because even when all of that was happening, when our community wasn't being believed, when our news outlet wasn't being believed, we believed that we were taking the right course of action. And so we began working with community members to uh, start to accumulate a database. And so we, we are working on that. And we're also getting in touch with other community organizations, specifically for black women. Uh, one of them is called the Real Justice Network, which has been doing this type of work for a very long time in our city. And so uh, we are, you know, in the earlier stages still, but this is something that we think is incredibly needed because the police department is clearly not capable of Uh, you know, adequately handling these issues. This is a much larger issue than just this one specific instance. Them not believing black women and the police department not taking seriously the concerns of people in our community is something that has been the case since our police Department was created, uh, you know, 200 years ago, and of course, our police department is also currently exactly. under federal investigation for racism and discrimination. Right. And so, right. we we have no belief and no expectation that the police department in Kansas City will ever uh, properly, you know, produce safety for our communities. And so, we're in the earlier stages right now of creating that groundwork and foundation so that we can do it for ourselves.
6: You mentioned the database is being created. Um, but where can the public go to actually see? And What I'm saying is, um, are there three, four, five, ten names uh, folks have come forward, the people who are missing, uh, who are African-American and missing? Uh, and also, uh, have you all also talked to the Black and Missing Foundation? Uh, we've actually worked with them, I oh, mean, goodness, going back ten-plus years uh, as well, with, because this is the work that they do nationally. So if somebody who's watching or listening, they want to be able to uh, go, go, can they go, go to your site or somewhere else and actually see uh, names, photos, images, things along those lines of folks who are, being, who are reported missing?
17: Uh, right now, our, the database that we have, just because we're in the earlier stages, it's just like a, a spreadsheet that we have privately. Um, but if people do want to see like images, and right now the only place that that is centralized is by the Missouri State Highway Patrol. Uh, they have a missing persons, you know, thing on, database online that has how old the person is, the race the race of the person, uh, the person's gender, when they went missing. So if people do want to report it or look up missing persons in Missouri, that's available at the Missouri State Highway Patrol. Uh, and also for the Black and Missing and, Foundation. And Ryan, right. uh, I'll go ahead.
6: And of the, of the database you're talking about, how many of them are from Kansas City?
17: Uh, the one in the Missouri State Highway Patrol uh, uh, I, I would have to double check. I haven't seen in Kansas City specifically how many people are missing.
6: Okay. Uh, and the, you, about to make a point about the Black and Missing Foundation. Go ahead.
17: Uh, yeah, I was just saying that they just because of this whole situation, uh, they have reached out to us, and uh, we are definitely that's 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 definitely a relationship that we are hoping to continue because. Uh, it's just been made so clear from this situation that we cannot depend on the police by any means at all to uh, create safety for the people in our community to take our concerns seriously. And we know for a fact now because of this situation, uh, which is just one of many. And, and you know, we're going to, uh, you know, I think that this this specific situation is uplifting the conversation in a way that it should have been a long time ago. Uh, around black missing women, around black women who are being killed and and no one is speaking up about it. I think that this is a conversation we should have had a very long time ago, and it's just very, very sad, truly, that it took this horrific tragedy of this woman being uh, abused, sexually assaulted, uh, trapped and tortured in a basement uh, for... And and the police calling us liars and the police calling the community liars for, you know, reporting these things and, and... you know, really the reason that they they said that, that they called us liars and that they said that we were spreading misinformation was because there wasn't a missing persons report. And so I actually reached out to the police department and I said, do you still stand by your statements of saying what we reported on was completely unfounded? And I said, I can understand if you said we don't have any evidence to support these claims, because if you don't have any evidence, then that's just what it is. But clearly now what we reported on was not completely unfounded. And all they had to do to handle the situation better would be to say, you know, something like, we don't have any evidence, but we're willing to look into it, or we don't have any evidence, but, you know, where did you all get these reports from? Anything, truly anything that they could have said other than they're completely unfounded. And so that, to us, is what's most problematic and and harmful about the situation. And that's why uh, we are going to be uh making sure this is a long-term effort to ensure that we can secure and and create safety for ourselves and our communities
6: Ryan Sorrell founder and editor of Kansas City Defender we appreciate it thanks a lot and then uh, keep us updated on what happens next
17: absolutely thank you very much
6: absolutely thank you very much thanks a bunch uh Renita I want to start with you uh and um, the, the point there about being able to establish own database I mean at the end of the day that's one of the reasons why we do uh, the blacks are missing every day because frankly uh when you look at mainstream media if you're missing a white woman oh it'll get reported like crazy but uh, if you black and missing it takes uh protests lot yelling and screaming and typically that's six eight weeks later after the fact we know the most important time of the first 72 hours
9: Right. Uh, I wish I would have had a chance to ask uh, Ryan a question because he's right about what he's saying. I just wonder, you know, how did they get the information that folks were missing? Because if the, the police department is saying that they had no formal missing persons report, okay, well, I assume that the Kansas City Defender has some journalistic standards where they don't just print um, what they hear from one person. They had to have multiple sources confirming that people, that black women were missing in order for them to report that. So if they had enough information, uh, credible information that they felt they could report on this. Why did the, po- the police not take that and say, okay, we don't have a missing persons report, which is not unusual because we know a lot of times predators will select people who they believe do not have family or friends who can come look for them. So what this looks like is, um, sometimes predators, you know, ki- kidnapping sex workers predators, kidnapping people who are having drug addi- addiction issues. So that is not something that should have stopped the police from looking into this. So I just wonder, what, where did, how did the Kansas City defender find out that people were missing? And of course, you know, the police need to answer, and they need to have a better answer than, well, there was no formal missing persons report. They need to answer why they didn't put any effort or any energy into following up on this information
6: uh there was a, it was, a it was actually a pastor community activist uh who actually uh did a video online video uh, and they actually reported that particular video that's what happened there uh, i uh, ron is correct the Kansas City, the missouri police department is under investigation by the department of justice uh and uh, look uh you know here's a question uh if you're the state you might want
14: LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
6: I sent in uh, state officials to investigate what's happening here. So they initially just blew, blew them off, said that there, were, there were no serial killers.
12: Not only did they blow them off, they did it in such an ignorant fashion. I'm reading right here from one of their comments that they wrote. They said, we do still maintain that there's no indication that what you guys reported was accurate, and there was no indication there was anything that supported that claim. So, you know, Ryan Ryan is talking about not hearing from them, but then when you do hear from them, you get that, that, that callousness, and it speaks to the tension that so many of us feel across the country in our communities. And going off of Uh, Representative Renita's point, we see this all across the country, Roland. This is kind of what we were talking about last week with the Jeffrey Dahmer uh, documentary and how that underplayed the role race played in in what he was doing. We talked about it with the man in California who was targeting... um, um, y- young young, Black uh, uh, teenagers as well. And so this is an ongoing problem. And so really, at the end of the day, we have to stay vigilant. We we know that there's going to be more pushback as this story becomes more public about, oh, these stories being made up and falsified. And so I think the questions that you were asking were really poignant as it ma- as it relates to making sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed because these are members of our community who have been marginalized and thrown away. And you would think with uh, uh, the types of cases that this Department is dealing with, they absolutely should be bringing in the state because what they have right now is a serious credibility problem. And you would think that as a story like this becomes uh, nation, nation uh, known nationally, you'd want to do everything possible, especially when dealing with these other lawsuits, to have some type of credibility in some way, shape, or form because right now they have none.
6: Yeah. Julian.
11: I shudder when I think about what happened to this young woman, the reporting about her being uh, detained, whipped, uh, probably overhearing the the killings of her friends and her colleagues. But beyond that, I shudder at the kind of anti-blackness that allows the police officers or the police department to simply uh, dismiss credible possibilities. They didn't have any proof, but they have possibilities. They have buzz in the community about things happening, people disappearing, and they chose not to look into it. It is anti-blackness at its very worst, and it is why, as Congo says, black people do not trust police officers. But even beyond that, Roland, there's a, there's a kernel of joy in this, if you will. This young brother that you interviewed who brought, broke the story, he started a digital startup, the uh, Kansas City uh, Defender is this s- digital form of media. You are the pioneer in looking at digital media and the way that people break stories that the mainstream media does not break. So I want to know if the, what the mainstream papers in Kansas City have done about this, and what are they doing about it now? Because now we know that this man has basically st- tortured at least one person. According to the young lady, perhaps three others, her friends, who didn't make it. So where is the investigation of this rancid, corrupt, ignorant police department? Where is the investigation of them? That ought to be the next step, and it ought not just be a Missouri story. It ought to be a FBI investigation. How do you simply ignore the torture of black women? How do you simply ignore that?
6: Uh, Indeed. So that's a question we'll keep asking. All right, folks, going to go to break. We come back. uh, We'll chat with folks here in Valdosta, Georgia. Uh, Today's the first day of early voting uh, in Georgia. Uh, More than 100,000 folks voted today, breaking the state's record. Uh, We'll talk about that. Also, uh, in 60 seconds, uh, the debate between uh, Governor Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams uh, takes place uh, from the Atlanta Press Club as well. Last night, uh, Senator Raphael Warnock showed up at the debate. Guess who didn't? The man with the badge, Hershel Walker. Uh, we will uh, talk about the debate, debate they had Friday uh, and also get some thoughts of folks here about what is important to them uh, when it comes to this election uh, in the state of Georgia. Of course, uh, critical midterms happening all across the country. Uh, going to a break, folks. we come back, more on Roller Barton Unfiltered on the Black Start Network uh, right here in Valdosta, Georgia. Back in a moment.
18: When
13: we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are Black Beyond
4: Measure. Come to Atlanta, one of the most expensive housing markets in America. But rather than help out, Brian Kemp cashed in. He made hundreds of thousands of dollars in real estate. His net worth skyrocketed. And while Atlantans struggled to stay in their homes, Kemp gave $10,000 tax handouts to the richest Georgians and a nearly $700 million no-bid contract to his campaign donor, Brian kicked back Kemp, making Georgia work for him, not you.
13: When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure.
11: It's about us. Let's go! Everybody all together. We are in sunny South Dallas. The election is coming up. It's super important that folks know who they are voting for, but more importantly, what they are voting for. Y'all, we got some free shirts and free lunch right over here.
19: Freedom is our birthright. No matter what we're up against, we're sending a message in Dallas and Texas and in this country. We won't black down. That's what this bus tour is all
8: about. The
11: housing cost is one of the most capitalized areas that we have found people who are marginalized that are brown and black, we are suffering the most, and I think that we have the biggest vote and the biggest impact
9: in this election. I'm voting for affordable housing, for sure.
11: We should
7: not be paying the cost of a utility failure because... Our elected officials are too proud to say, we need help.
16: I know that we can bring out our people to vote. It's a part of our birthright, it's a part of our heritage, and surely it's a part of our prison and part of our future. That's right. That's what's up. And we won't black down. Forward that message to Five Friends, because in that
20: message, it's got links to how to get registered, how to check your registration
0: status, like I said, 2.30, we'll start um, rendezvousing right here on this street. I am voting to let our voice be heard in the rural communities that, hey, we are people, too. There are things that we need.
19: Free shirts, free food, and lots of power. We are in Longview, Texas, where Black Voters Matter,
11: 365. Whatever type of oppression a white supremacist throws our way, we will not black down. We are in relentless pursuit of liberation of our people.
6: Freedom is liberation for black bodies and black communities to make economic change through political power.
11: Freedom is choice.
16: We won't black down.
11: We won't black down.
16: We won't black down.
11: We won't black down.
16: We
10: won't black down.
11: We won't black down. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, it's one thing to have a seat at a table, and it's another to be an investor on the cap table, Of a unicorn. We're talking venture capital with Leisha Bell and how generational wealth is built through early stage investing.
21: I know very few people who do what I do, and that's very unfortunate. And I think Silicon Valley has been unkind to black people.
11: That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network.
6: 0196 the cash app is dollar sign rm unfiltered paypal is r martin unfiltered venmo is rm unfiltered zell is rolling at rolandsmartin.com i've always said this mm-hmm. rather than to
20: continue to fight for a fair piece of the pie and an and equal slice of the pie i want my hand on the knife that cuts the pie and to that extent who bakes the pie and who, who puts it in and that's one of the things that got me involved in going into politics in the first instance. I'm tired of people making decisions for me Right. and mine. I want to be a part of that decision-making process. And luckily, it has paid off in terms of seeing the progress that many people in America have made, particularly with people of color. One thing bothers me now that we seem to be losing that right. by saying that we've got to be more concerned with other people. Then those people who were here, we built
5: America.
7: Smith. Hello, everyone. It's Kiara Sheard. Hey, I'm Taj. I'm Coco. And I'm Lily. And we're, we're SWV. What's up, y'all? It's Ryan Destiny, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
22: So the things that we're tweeting out there is when our great men and women in law enforcement are, are making drug busts, not from recreational use. It's users, a other things. but But that's what my focus is on.
15: All right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Greg, please ask a question of Stacey Abrams. Yeah, Ms. Abrams, in 2018, you didn't concede defeat to Governor Kemp,
20: and you talked to systemic problems with the state's election system. This election, do you commit to accept the outcome of the vote, regardless of what it shows? And do you stand by your use of words like rigged
18: four years ago to describe the state's election system? In 2018, I began my speech on November 16th acknowledging that Governor Kemp had won the election. I then proceeded to lay out in grave detail the challenges faced by voters under his leadership as Secretary of State, including the 10-plus-2 who were arrested in Quitman, Georgia, because they had the temerity to use absentee ballots. I told the story of students who were denied access to the right to vote even though they had duly registered. 80,000 complaints had come in by that day, and it took four years of federal investigation in a lawsuit that was the longest-running voting rights lawsuit in the state's his- in recent history that proved us right. Now, we didn't win every single claim, but we forced massive changes to the election laws. And unfortunately, Brian Kemp and Brad Raffensperger have decided to restore their greatest hits. Just to Day, a homeless woman was denied the right to vote in Forsyth County because she could not she did not receive a provisional ballot because she had been challenged as governor I intend to stand up for the right to vote I will always acknowledge the outcome of elections but I will never deny access to every voter because that is the responsibility of every American to defend the right to vote thank you Brian Kemp rebuttal 30 seconds
22: well I would just say uh, the Miss Abrams is gonna do a lot of attacking of my record tonight because she doesn't want to talk about her own record In 2018, in the governor's race, we had the largest African-American turnout in the country. She said that Senate Bill 202, our recent Elections Integrity Act what we passed two years ago, would be suppressive in Jim Crow 2.0. Just this past May in our primaries, we again had record turnout in the Republican primary and the Democratic primary. In Georgia, it's easy to vote and hard to cheat.
8: And I'd like to add just a second here, as the libertarian, although you you will push for people to have access to going to the polls and voting, you're not pushing ballot access. This is a huge, huge oppression for people like the third parties, the people that want to get their people on the ballot. We have, I think, 20 percent Democrats, 20 percent Republicans in the state of Georgia. That leaves 60 percent of people in Georgia unrepresented by ballot access laws that both of them support.
18: 30 seconds. Ms. Abrams. Actually, to correct Mr. Hazel, I co-sponsored legislation to expand ballot access because I agree with you that third parties should have better access to the right to vote in the state of Georgia. Never I co-sponsored it with, a, with one of our independents in the state legislature. But let's be clear about ballot access and voter access. Brian Kemp was the secretary of state, and he has assiduously denied access to the right to vote. We know that the right to vote is the only way that we can make the changes we need in the state, the only way we can make the changes we need in this country. Whether it's access to the right to an abortion, the ability to take care of our families, we need a governor who believes in access to the right to vote right. and not in voter suppression, which is the hallmark of Brian Kemp's leadership. Thank you
22: very much. With, We're with, going to with move all, on. With all due respect, I was called out. I, I would like to just the record reflect, Is my time as Secretary of State, I'm the person that created the online voter registration system in this state, where any Georgian can vote, register to vote 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So for someone to say that we have been suppressive in our state when we've seen turnout increase over the years, including with minorities like African Americans, Latinos, and others, is simply not true. And again, Ms. Abrams is going to lie about my record because she doesn't want to talk about her own. All
15: right, we're, well, gonna move all right on here. Je- we're going to move on here. We're going to move on here, ha- Mr. Hazel. Uh, Jennifer, your question for Brian Kemp.
3: Governor Kemp, several hospitals and medical centers across the state have announced or gone through with plans to close their doors, leaving a gap in care and a reduction in services at a time when our health care workers are already suffering from burnout, from increased demand and workloads. Many are now facing care that will be delayed or unavailable, while our state's capital will soon have only one level one trauma center. What will you do to ensure Georgians have access to critical health care services and hospitals?
22: Well, uh, I would just Remind voters at home, there's also hospitals being built uh, across this state and new options for people for health care. Look, the AMC situation was something that was thrown on a lot of political leaders, including me. But instead of complaining about it and doing the blame game, I went and worked with Fulton County, with DeKalb County, with Democrats to come up with a solution that put state resources into Grady to help make sure people have the access and the care that they need in our state. And I'm committed to continuing to do that in the future.
15: All right. Shane, I'm sorry. uh, Chuck, you got the final question to Shane Hazel.
1: Thank you. Mr. Hazel, you ran for Congress in 2018. That was just four years ago you ran as a Republican. You got less than 30% of the vote in the
8: Republican primary. What happened between then and now that made you a libertarian? I uh, I actually came back to my my roots as a libertarian. Uh, We believe in freedom. We saw what the Republican Party was. We saw what the Democratic Party was. They are forcing coercion. No matter what they talk about, it's forcing coercion. Whether it's a certificate of need for hospitals, whether it is taking guns away from law-abiding citizens, it is always forcing coercion at the point of a gun from the Democrats and Republicans. To look at life through consent, the eyes that, hey, we can all have transactions, we do it every day in the private sector. 99.9% of us go throughout our day without raping people, without murdering people, without pointing guns at people to take their property. That is not what the government does under Republicans and Democrats, period. That's how I became a Libertarian. Uh, This is why we're going to send this thing into a runoff. And if people were really looking for something to change, you'd vote Libertarian. You'd send a message to both of these parties, because one of these people will most likely be the executive in a rigged system that you want to be more free.
15: Thank you. That concludes the first round of the debate. The candidates will now ask a question to each of their opponents. Candidates will have 30 seconds to ask the question, 60 seconds to respond, and the candidate who asked the questions will have 30 seconds for rebuttal. By random selection, Brian Kemp, you may ask the first question to Stacey Abrams.
22: Well, thank you very much. Um, as many people know, I have over a hundred sheriffs endorsing my campaign, uh, several of which are Democrats. And my question for Ms. Abrams tonight is, how many Democrat or how many sheriffs statewide have publicly endorsed your campaign?
18: Mr. Kemp, what you are attempting to do is continue the lie that you've told so many times. I think you believe it's the truth. I support law enforcement and did so for 11 years. Worked closely with the Sheriff's Association. I'm probably the only person standing here who's ever actually written a, a, a SOP for a police department when I was working for the city of Atlanta. But I have two brothers, one who has committed crimes, and I want his victims to be able to call the police and get the help they need, and I've always supported that right. But I have another brother who has faced being pulled over for driving while black when he was coming back from his job as a social worker. Unlike you, I don't have the luxury of relying on slogans to describe my position on public safety. I believe that we need safety and justice, because I love both of my brothers. And like most Georgians, I lead a complicated life where we need access to help, but we also need to know that we are safe from racial violence. While you may not have had that experience, too many people I know have, and that is why I will always stand up for making certain that safety and justice are the conversations we're having in Georgia, and the delivery we have as the next governor of Georgia. Thank you. 30 seconds, Mr. Kemp.
22: Well, I would just tell people that, look, I support safety and justice. But Ms. Abrams refused to answer the question, so I'll let you know that the answer is zero. No sheriffs are endorsing her statewide because of her stances on wanting to defund the police, eliminate cash bail, and serving on the boards of organizations like the Margaret Casey Foundation that supports and gives grants to organizations that are promoting the defund the police movement.
18: If if I may respond, because he actually lied there, Yes, I do have the support of sheriffs. But unlike Mr. Kemp, I do not make it my plan to list every person who supports me. I have the support of sheriffs, I have the support of advocates, I have the support of victims, I have the support of those who want to be treated fairly in our system. I have to have conversations with the entirety of Georgia. I don't have the luxury of being a part of a good old boys club where we don't focus on the needs of our people. And that is why my mission has been to put out very concrete plans, explaining how I will serve justice, how I will serve safety, and how I will serve the citizens of the state of Georgia. 30 seconds, Brian Camp.
22: Well, look, I, I would just tell people, I know Ms. A- Ms. Abrams is upset and mad, um, because these are things that she said. This is not me making this up. This is things that she said in interviews that she's done and she's sitting on organizations that you can go look at the facts yourself. And that's why the men and women in law enforcement want a governor that is going to stand with them, who has been with them, not only to have their back, but also stand shoulder to shoulder on things like civil unrest and going after street gangs and human traffickers.
15: Thank you very much. Stacey Abrams,
18: you get the next question for Shane Hazel. Mr. Hazel, Republicans and Democrats have raised the alarm over the rise in the Chinese Communist Party-backed companies purchasing American farmland. To date, they've purchased more than one million acres of farmland in the state of Georgia. Would you agree with Mike Pompeo that allowing those purchases in the state of Georgia is a sign of madness? And would you be concerned about the national security implications of the Chinese Communist Party purchasing this land with the support of the state of Georgia?
8: I see the setup for this question. I understand why it was projected at me. Um, as libertarians, we believe that you own your property and that the state can't take it away from you and can't sell it or can't determine who you sell it to. Um, the CCP, obviously, uh, which is going through some its own internal unrest right now, uh, I believe is probably purchasing this with things like central bank digital dollars and yuan. Uh, which are also coming down to a, uh, a critical nature where people are in uprising in China. What we need to look at is how these purchases are being made. Are we accepting fiat, CCP, yuan in Georgia as a actual currency? It's about as good as the US currency, the fiat currency that we're about to have hoisted on us in terms of a CBDC. I'm not going to tell you or anybody else as governor how or who to sell your property to. And I imagine that in the end, the the free market will work itself out.
18: Thank you. Stacey Abrams, 30 seconds. The state of Georgia is watching our farmland be purchased by the Chinese Communist Party. And while that is not normally a conversation that we have, it is something that we should be concerned about. Agriculture is our number one industry, and Georgia has 13 military installations. The fact that the state of Georgia is working with the Chinese Communist Party, using one of their technologies that both Donald Trump and Joe Biden have warned is very much a national security threat, should be of great concern to every Georgian. This is not about being concerned simply about who's owning the land, but it's about how much access to our information they have because of this state.
15: Thank you. Thank you, Shane Hazel. You may ask your question of Stacey Abrams.
8: Yeah, I'd agree with you. The uh, military-industrial complex is a big problem. It is. And the fact that we have people trying to come here to, I don't know, get a get a backdoor into our, our military, um, I think one of the things we should be talking about as Georgians and as executives is the Defend the Guard Act, where our military has been used very, I don't know, haphazardly around the world to go and take resources from the Middle East or now in, Mr. in Ukraine. Mr. Hazel, your this question. Is, yeah, this is my question to who? To Stacey Abrams. Uh, yeah. Oh, we've already switched gears. Yeah. My, my, my question to you—I'm sorry. It's I, okay. I have hearing problems, guys. Um, my question to you is, I mentioned CBDCs. As the executive of Georgia, when we come into a CBDC from the Federal Reserve, will you, as the executive, accept this CCCP-style uh, currency?
18: I believe that the conversation about currency is a complicated one, and part of the challenge we have is how how this currency is transmitted, the very real security threats with digital currency, the hacking and mining of that digital currency should concern all Georgians. As the governor of Georgia, I will work very closely with the Federal Reserve, but also with the innovators and the entrepreneurs who do see an opportunity. But before we take a step forward that could put us at risk, our responsibility is to understand the complexity of what is happening with these transactions. And as exciting as it is, we also know it's deeply problematic when we do not have the adequate safeguards in place. That's one of the reasons I've raised concerns about WeChat and about the purchase of farmland. But what we know overall is that we need a governor who's conversant in these issues, who understands that, for example, in the state of Georgia, we have access to $3.5 billion in American currency that could be delivered tomorrow to save our hospitals and to save our lives. But our current governor has refused to those dollars. My intention is to do what's best for the state of Georgia every single day. Thank you. Shane Hazel, you get a 30-second rebuttal.
8: Working with the Federal Reserve, who's got us into the mess that we are in right now because of a centralized fiat currency, it will be absolutely worthless. They will be dangling carrots in front of the governor, in front of the executives, in front of the legislature to do exactly what their mandates are. If they are mandating that they take the property of people, then they will do it. If they want to invade your homes, your private your privacy, your businesses. They will do it because of CBDCs.
15: All right, Stacey Abrams, please ask your question to Brian Kemp. Absolutely.
18: Mr. Kemp, under your leadership, there is currently a 100-year gap between minority-owned businesses and majority-owned businesses. Although minorities comprise 48 percent of the population, they only generate 12.2 percent of the business revenue in the state. And under every analysis that we have seen, it will take 100 years to close that gap, given the current process that you have in place. You served four years in the Senate, eight years as secretary of state in charge of businesses. You served four years as governor. What are your concrete, specific, targeted plans to decrease and address the racial equity gap? currently facing contracting and purchasing for minority-owned businesses. Governor Kim? Well,
22: I would remind Georgia...
6: All right, folks, welcome back. That's the uh, debate happening as we speak, the live debate between uh, Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams uh, for governor of Georgia. We're here in Valdosta, Georgia. Today was the first day of early voting. Uh, all eyes are on this state, uh, critical, critical races, uh, state races, but also when it comes to national implications, when it comes to the U.S. Senate race between uh, incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. They debated Friday night. Um, I don't necessarily know if I would call that a debate. Uh, and so uh, there was supposed to be a second debate last night. Herschel Walker chose not to show up to the Atlanta Press Club. Uh, and so here was uh, Senator Raphael Warnock last night talking to the empty podium Uh, where Herschel Walker was, I guess, an empty suit, has an empty podium.
20: I think Herschel Walker, if he were here, should tell the people of Georgia why he thinks they should pay for expensive insulin and pharmaceutical companies should be able to charge us whatever they like. My opponent, on the other hand, has a well-documented history of violence. And he hasn't come clean about it. He's blaming me for his own history saying, I don't believe in redemption. I believe in redemption. I preach about it. But it's hard to be redeemed if you're not willing to come clean about the basic facts of your life. And at the end of the day, again, this this race is not about who's been redeemed. It's about who's ready. And I think Mr. Walker has shown time and time again that he's not ready to represent the people of Georgia. And I'm not going to be distracted about what herschel walker says about me he doesn't tell the truth about himself he said that he graduated from college he didn't he said he was valedictorian of his class he wasn't he said he started a business that doesn't even exist and the other night when i said you he pretended to be a police officer he presented a badge as if that were proof that he really is a police officer and now he wants us to think that he's a senator this race is not about who's been redeemed this race is about who's ready to represent the people of Georgia in the United States Senate. And by not showing up tonight for the job interview, uh, by giving nonsensical answers, by this history of violence, Herschel Walker shows he's not ready.
6: Walker shows he's not. Senator Warnock mentioned that strange uh, badge thing in the debate uh, on Friday night. Uh, if you missed it, here you go. He talks
19: about. The police, I have more sheriffs that has endorsed me than anyone running in in Georgia right now. And I even have some sheriffs here, and they've endorsed me because they know I have their back, they're going to have my back. So to listen to him say that after calling a name, I think it's a disgrace.
7: Mr. Walker, thank you. I have a follow-up now for Uh, both of you. I think Uh, I
20: I ought to be able to respond to that.
7: I will give you the opportunity, 15 seconds to respond, Senator Warnock.
20: We will see time and time again tonight as we've already seen that my opponent has a problem with the truth. and, And just because he said something doesn't mean it's true. I have supported our police officers. I've called them and I've prayed with their families, like those officers lost in Cobb County when they were killed, doing what police officers routinely do. You can support police officers as I've done through the COPS program, through the Invest to Protect program, while at the same time holding police officers, like all professions, accountable. One thing I have not done, I've never pretended to be a police officer, and, and, and I've, never, I've never threatened a shootout with the police. And now I have to respond to that.
7: We are, we are, we are no, no, moving no, no, on, I gentlemen. I have to
20: respond to that. And you know what? so funny? I am with many police officers N- and at the same time. Mr.
11: Walker, Mr. Walker, Mr. Walker, Mr. Walker, excuse me, truth. Mr. Walker. When
7: please, out of respect, the truth, I, I, is I is need here. to let you know, Mr. Yes. Walker, you are very well yes. aware of the ruse tonight. Yes. And you have a prop yes. that is not allowed, sir. Yeah. I ask you to put that prop away. Well,
19: it's not a prop. It, this it, it, is real. And he said, I but, have a
7: problem. I never But it is considered a, a prop, Mr. Walker. Yes. Excuse me, sir. Yes. You're very well aware of the rules, aren't you? Well, aren't he, you aware of he the brought rules? up the truth. We're,
10: Let's talk about the truth. Th- thank you. About the truth. Thank you.
6: All right now, all right folks, here in Valdosta, we're joined by uh, State Representative Dexter Sharper, uh, Councilwoman uh, Sandra Tooley, as well as Reverend Bernard Francis. Glad to see all three of you here. Um, let, let, let's start here. First of all, w- w- anyone of y'all got a badge? Any, anybody got a badge? Anybody got an extra badge? I mean, I, I, I'm still sort of uh, surprised to sit here uh, and see. And, and then I saw uh, another interview where he talked about he got badges from all around the state. That does not make you a cop. Am I right? I'm just trying. I'm just trying to figure out. Maybe Georgia different, but not here. Okay, I'm just checking. Just checking. All right. Uh, so I, I'm just. Yeah. Come on. Pass the microphone. Come on. I'm, I'm just confused by that. Just confused by that. Uh, I, I do. I do want to talk about uh, this. Anyone y'all can start this way. Obviously in the debate, Abrams uh, and Kemp, and also in the debate with Warnock uh, in. Uh, and Walker, uh, Republicans are making this all about defund the fi- police, defund the police. ABC News did an analysis, and they did it earlier, where they show of the top 100 police departments, 83% of those police departments, their budgets increased. So where in the hell is a defund the police if this is supposed to be so widespread when we're seeing police departments get money, Democrats are passing th- these budgets, and so, that seems to be the latest dog whistle that I believe, for me, that I think is a lot of appealing to white voters.
7: Well, I'll speak on that a little bit. Uh, with the city council, we did increase our budget so that we can hire more police officers. We've also got more vehicles for them and everything like that. We're trying to send them to a training and so forth like that. So we are nowhere near thinking about defunding.
6: but, 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 but the point here is, even when you talk about the concept of defund the police. What it is is that, you show me the example of keep giving police departments money and then that solves the problem. What folks are saying is, how do we deal with, if you want to talk about crime, you want to talk about things along those lines, you have to also talk about education. You have to talk about jobs. You have to talk about economics. And so, combating crime uh, is not solely a function. Police respond to crimes. The whole point is not to have crime in the first place. And so, and so that to me, I think, uh, has to be a conversation that folks are having on the city level and the state level in terms of what are we doing to ensure that we're seeing upper mobility in communities so you don't have crime.
19: Well, I'll answer that. Uh, what we have to look at is you're right, is it's not so much the police departments but the root of the problem. And what I see is the root financial literacy Uh, back in the day in school we had financial literacy in our schools we had you know your family complete family moms dads things like that but they took the personal finance out of schools for a while but in Georgia we just passed a bill to put it back into the schools where they can teach financial literacy because I don't care if you're a doctor lawyer whatever you're doing in your life if you don't understand money you're gonna have a problem, and we see a lot of younger people. I'm working with groups now where we're doing more youth entrepreneurship programs. We can always tell people back in the day. We used to say, "Say no to drugs, but say yes to what." And now today, the big gang violence and with our youth, that's a huge problem, especially in Georgia and across the country. We tell them to stop, get out the gangs, but they're breaking in homes, they're breaking in vehicles, getting these guns, uh, they're doing everything you can think of. But I think if we can get that financial literacy coupled with youth entrepreneurship and give these people something, the young people especially, something to say yes to, to let them know, hey, I can start me a little business and grow it legitimately. So that's where my
6: heart has been my entire life on financial literacy and education. Reverend, I absolutely get get financial literacy, Uh, but you can target a young person for entrepreneurship but if a mom or a dad if you ain't got enough money for food, if you got an affordable housing crisis, uh, you still are going, still going to have, a, have have an issue there uh, do you see um, do you see uh, candidates speaking to those issues and are people also talking about that because again, uh, I absolutely understand the issue of the impact of a crime in our society but it, but it seems, it's amazing how we have a, a significant conversation about increase funding to police, but we're decreasing funding for mental mental health services. We're decreasing funding uh, when it comes to providing economic opportunities. And then when I hear people say tax cuts, well, tax cuts don't help you if you already broke.
16: I agree with you, Mr. Martin. I'm Bruce Francis, Reverend Bruce Francis, and I'm also as well as the past, I'm an educator in the city and I agree with you um, in in what you have said, but I think we also need to look at while we're giving increases to the police department, we also need to consider giving more increase uh, to the educational system. We've taken money from there and put it in other places and so we're not getting the teachers that we need, our students are not getting the uh, education that they need and the pandemic has set us back and so now we're playing a catch up game. And so we need to make sure that we're doing things to improve that and make sure that things are happening in that regard as well.
6: well you've seen, the last couple of years, uh, you've, you've seen Senator Warnock obviously uh, in uh, the United States Senate. Um, in terms of how would you judge um, his work since he joined the United States Senate? Councilwoman, go ahead.
7: I believe that some of the issues with Reverend Warnock that he's presented to the citizens and everything, that it has increased their interest to want to do something. They want to get involved, and they are by showing it by getting up and getting out and voting more. Some of the things that he's talking about, it relates directly to them, and they can identify with it. So I, I do believe with the issues he's talking about and so forth, that I believe it's just sparked the interest in our citizens. And I also want to say, too, with our citizens getting out, with our police department, we need them to have like a communication, a type of connection with the community. So that that would spark an interest and in, that would help, I think, alleviate some of these crimes that we have going on. If they get to know the people, the people are not—they'd be more responsive. We, a lot of people, do not trust the police department because they don't know them. Police department do not know a lot of citizens. But they could connect some kind of way like that. I think that would alleviate a lot of the crimes, a lot of the shootings that we have here.
6: Oh, Representative Sharper I've seen a, a lot of conversation. Uh, from um, Republicans and the governor talking about the state surplus. Y'all got a whole bunch of federal money. Mm-hmm. In, fa- in, in fact, h- how much of Georgia's annual budget comes from the federal government?
19: Uh, if you look at it in percentage-wise, it would be more or less almost around half if you look at all the programs that they put in. But they we got even more money because of everything that was going on, pan- pandemic, things like that. But
6: we have too much surplus, if you ask me. Well, Hallelujah! What, what does that mean? I ain't, I ain't never heard of having too much money.
19: Oh, t- t- too much money s- sitting by not being
6: used. There you go. No, so so it's not okay. that you have too much surplus. <laughs> you got too much unused, unused surplus money.
19: And one one area that people don't think about, and it comes a lot from the African American community, is how much money we put in that Georgia lottery. There's a lot of money coming in through the Georgia lottery. We put a lot out for education. However, there is a certain part of that money that comes in that's surplus that we can pretty much do, the governor can do anything he wants to with that money. And that money is not being used to help out um, your your medical costs and things like that. One big thing, and I wanted to mention quickly about Warnock, you say some things he's done since he's been in, but being able to work across the aisle to get things, especially for our state and others, a lot of the uh, broadband money, a lot of money Warnock has brought in a lot of money, him and Ossoff, into our state. And, and, and he, he gets around. He meets the people. Um, that's the biggest connection that we've seen a lot out of Warnock. He's making it personable. He's making everybody, making sure you're inclusive. People, they just don't want to vote just because you say, vote for me. No, they want to be a part of the process. And I say the biggest thing he's done, he's been more inclusive of all the people, their ideas, their encouragement. And he, he's been very responsive to the people. I just wanted to mention that part. But at the same time, we need to see a way that we can get more of our money to go into, medi- uh, into the Medicaid expansion. And that's one thing we need to do in the state of Georgia. Uh, I worked with Stacy Abrams for five or six years, pushing for Medicaid expansion. And the biggest thing is, when you are in the majority, the Republican force uh, part of Georgia, they're not the ones that are without the insurance. They don't know what it's like to sit in the ER for 12 hours. They don't know what it's like for their family members not to have health care. No, no, you mean the lawmakers.
6: The lawmakers, but, exactly. But, but many of those Republican lawmakers broke constituents do.
19: Exactly, but they, they don't care about that because a lot of times, if you don't really experience something you really can't understand it so that's what we're seeing and first of all the governor deal way back he had the opportunity to expand Medicaid which will increase a lot of jobs It's federal money coming in uh, to get health care for the uninsured. we have over now 550,000 people that are eligible for Medicaid expansion but they still won't Expanded, and I'm gonna close right here on this. By them not understanding and knowing it, it puts our people in a worse situation, and they don't realize that when the hospitals have to continue to close when they shouldn't, or the 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 insurance premiums can get higher, is affecting them too. They don't really know that because you know the indigent care, all the insurance premiums is done by different zones and things like that it's still affecting them but because it was Obama back in the day saying let's do it it was a big deal for a lot of Republicans in Georgia. Well
6: well, remember a lot of them said they hated uh, Obamacare but they loved the Affordable Care Act. Same thing. Which was Which, to me, still <laughs> is the absolute dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Exactly. Not realizing it's literally the same damn thing. I right. mean, I don't – it's crazy, absolutely crazy. Uh, hold tight one second. I'm going to go to a break. We come back. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation, talk about what's happening here in Georgia, uh, what is on the minds of voters here, uh, inflation, the economy. All of those issues are important uh, as well, so we'll talk more about that. We come back. Roland Martin Unfiltered broadcast live here in Valdosta, Georgia, with Black Star Network back in a moment. Y'all clap that one too
13: when we invest in ourselves our glow our vision our vibe we all shine
7: A Balanced Life, with Dr. Jackie.
13: When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure.
1: You know what's on the ballot. It's not just legislation and policies we believe in. It's democracy, our democracy. There's a choice on the ballot between freedom and fear, between cruelty and compassion between chaos and community, between voting or violence, and the end of rights generations have fought for. The extremists have a plan, a roadmap for a nation where your voice is silenced and your vote is a memory, where they count their votes and cast ours aside. That's why this year, this fight, this vote is so important. Register, engage, Volunteer, fight back against the disinformation and despair, and most of all, vote. Because your vote is all that stands between our future and theirs.
4: Welcome to Atlanta, one of the most expensive housing markets in America. But rather than help out, Brian Kemp cashed in. He made hundreds of thousands of dollars in real estate. His net worth skyrocketed. And while Atlantans struggled to stay in their homes, Kemp gave $10,000 tax handouts to the richest Georgians and a nearly $700 million no-bid contract to his campaign donor. Brian kicked back Kemp, making Georgia work for him, not you.
14: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Godfrey, the funniest dude on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Israel Houghton.
6: Apparently, the other message I did was not fun enough. So, this is fun. You are watching Roland Martin, my man, Unfiltered.
4: <laughs>
6: this gonna stop. All right, y'all, welcome back. I'm here in Valdosta, Georgia. Today's the first day of early voting. Uh, in the uh, elections taking place uh, in this state. Uh, I saw a tweet earlier uh, stating that 100,000 folks voted today, uh, breaking the record of 72,000. So I wanna talk about that. So it, it's amazing when I listen to Kemp or Walker or others talk about how Georgia's had record turnout. In fact, uh, Supreme Court Justice John Roberts, that was his rationale uh, when they gutted uh, section for the Voting Rights Act. Uh, but this notion that, oh, well, because people are still registering, are turning out, and jumping hurdles, everything is fine, when the problem is that you have to jump hurdles, uh, the, the ending of ballot drop boxes, they're trying to cut back on mail-in voting, and so I, I just think it's disingenuous uh, to listen to folks talk about, oh, how great things have gone because we've had record turnout, even though people are having to, having to you know, again, hop over hurdles being purposely being put in the way to keep them from voting largely African Americans
7: one thing I want to say about that is, too, is it's because of the education to the people. We have informed them to go and vote early because of potential problems that may happen. Like they said, jumping over hurdles, they were getting ready to be prepared to jump over the hurdles. So a lot of them have started going out, and they call it a record number, know this is the fact that people are educated. They want to get out and vote. They want their vote to count. So they're going early in case a problem comes up, and they will have time. To go and fix those problems.
6: So. And 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 look, Reverend, folks just straight lying. I mean that. See, and for me, I watch these shows and I see these people. They say, oh well, you know, um, they uh, they're stretching the truth. No, I grew up. If I lied, my daddy like you lied. I mean, we we, we not see there dancing around it. And so uh, all of these folks are lying about voter fraud. They're straight lying.
16: And it seems to be uh, endemic amongst the other culture to tell these lies, these mistruths, to try to discourage uh, our people from voting. But I'm proud of the fact that we have been pushing um, the voting here in Georgia, here in Valdosta in Lowndes County. Our Democratic Party has been working very hard to get our people out to vote. The candidates have been coming into Valdosta, um, realizing the importance of the Southern and the rural vote um, to their getting elected, um, and we must continue to push We've gone from the poll tax to the, uh, the 1964 when the Civil, uh, the Voter Right Act was passed to this point, now they're trying to back it up. Uh, but we're gonna continue to fight, we'll continue to do the right thing, because it is often said that a voteless people is a hopeless people, and we continue to have hope, we continue to stand, and we continue to believe that our vote count and our voice will be heard. Gotcha. Absolutely, absolutely.
6: One of the things that, uh, so let's talk about this here, uh, are y'all seeing um, w- w- enthusiasm in this city, because that's that is that is one of the issues. When you, when you look when you look at all across the country, uh, all of these uh, uh, MAGA Trump people, uh, all of these nutcases, uh, they are still ticked off that he lost and he did lose. Uh, you see you have seen the folks uh, changing the laws in this state, Texas, Florida. Uh, we we can go Iowa, we can go on and on and on. And so, are you concerned that? And I, I've seen the polling data. Uh, African Americans uh, in this particular state, um, you know, uh, not particularly pleased with the job President Biden has done. His numbers are very low in this state. Are you concerned that many of us are not going to vote, and then therefore our our votes not be counted? Because non-voting also means your vote doesn't count.
19: All right. Well, I'm going to say this for Valdosta. Uh, we've had a great opportunity. We have a great uh, Democratic local party uh, here. Uh, county party and we've working hard and I would say that really almost all the statewide uh, Candidates have come to Valdosta And so that's excitement and that know that we're there to support them and they're here to support us And here So a lot of them have been to, uh, several times already and uh, that's the first time that's really happened that many candidates Coming down on a regular rotation So you know, I like to thank all the people in Valdosta even the crowd you have here tonight You know on a short notice we come out and support. If you support us, we're gonna support you. So we're excited in Val Austin. We're seeing the numbers even today. Uh, a lot of African Americans were there. Hopefully, they
6: were Democrat uh, votes. But w- is is it very uh, encouraging? Councilwoman, are you are you seeing uh, enthusiasm there uh, out there on the ground?
7: Yes, I am, and I must agree with him when he said the candidates are coming here. When the people see the candidates coming, they think they, they know they care. So that decides, they say, if they care enough to come, then we're going to care enough to go and vote for them soon.
6: Um, Reverend, how has the religious community uh, been organizing, and galvanizing? Obviously, uh, with COVID, uh, folks back in churches, uh, folks coming back, um, not numbers before, but still uh, this sense of somehow getting back to normal. Uh, Are you seeing uh, that emphasis uh, driving souls to the polls?
16: We are... um Really working hard to encourage our members and our faith community to get out the vote. We've emphasized through um, the encouragement, of course, of our Democratic Party, uh, to um, facilitate souls to the polls. Where we're used, as we used to do a few several years ago, get out in our own cars, take our neighbors, take our friends, our family members, take them to the polls, and wait for them to vote, and then take them back home. So we understand the importance, and we are working together to make sure that that takes place.
6: One of the things that uh, I would uh, love if I'll have each of you a- answer it this way. And that is, I mean, I-, I get people, they tweet me and they talk about it. People are like, I've already heard these folks say, uh, nothing has changed. First of all, anytime somebody says, nothing has changed with us voting, they automatically stupid. I mean, I just, just, you, 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 that's just dumb. I mean, it's just, it's just literally dumb. I mean, if anybody looks at me, you mentioned earlier with the Affordable Care Act, I mean, the number of African Americans who, who are uninsured declined dramatically as a result. That's also voting. Uh, I, on my show, I often talk about uh, the work of Biden's Department of Justice, Christian Clark, head of the Civil Rights Division, uh, and the folks, the indictments, uh, the guilty uh, verdicts, how they're sending corrections officers and others to prison uh, for hate crimes, uh, for beating prisoners. That's also voting, Uh, and and so we we can go on and on and on, you know. But but it's amazing uh, how a lot of folks just simply don't understand connecting the dots. And so there's somebody out there uh, who's in this city, who's in Valdosta, who's in this state, and they're saying, you know what? All these folks the same.
3: Make Mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit BARTESIAN.com backslash Mother Now to get $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker. Bartesian Premium Cocktails on Demand.
5: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
6: Well, nothing's ever going to change. I'm not, I'm not interested uh, in voting. What would you tell that person?
19: I would tell that person that, When you look at, we hear people talk about the federal and state uh, elections and those political figures, but I would say to make sure not only you vote on your national and state, but you gotta make sure you vote every single local election because that affects you more than who the president is. So I would encourage them and let them know that, hold your political leaders accountable. A lot of people don't know, especially some of the Younger black guys a lot of times they'll say well why should I vote it won't matter. Guess what? When you're having a situation with maybe your child support, you're getting your driver's license All these state agencies that are affecting you or you feel like affecting you you call your state representative Reach out and say look. I'm having this problem So therefore if you vote for the right person and you also educated understand what their job duties are Then it will help you so I tell everybody to vote at every single election.
6: It, it, it's it's funny. Uh, I that was a, I saw a video as uh, audio today, uh, and uh, there was a sister Nikki Barnes out of Florida, and she was in this chat room, and this brother who was organizing. He was going on and on and on about reparations and how it's not happening and what folks not doing, and he was he was going on. And then she said, "Who's your state rep?" had no damn idea. And she said, how, she said, how are you gonna argue for somebody to give you something and you literally don't even know who your state rep is? Just totally embarrassed him. And so of course I had to amplify, put his name out there, embarrass him further. Because it was, just, and, and, and that's the thing, that's the thing that gets me, because it, like, like even now I have all these folks that they, they, they're hollering tangibles. And, and I gotta walk them through this. And I, I tell them all the time, well first of all, you actually can't get something from a candidate unless they win. And then even if they win, if you've got how many people on city council? Seven. That means you need four votes.
7: Yes.
6: It's a majority. So one person actually can't guarantee you that, but you still need the person to win. And so it's amazing the number of people who somehow believe, oh, I'm gonna get this, this, this in the campaign without realizing no, that's what happens if they win. That absolutely drives me crazy. So, when you're out there, how do you explain to the folks who say, uh, uh, I, I wanna see this, 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 but then I'm not gonna vote?
7: Well, I tell them it's a process, and I'm glad you said that because you are absolutely right what you're saying about how once you, they vote for you, they think you can do it all. whatever they ask for. Well, I tell them it is a process, but what they have to do is get out there, get your vote, get your candidate, get that candidate to vote for you, and then they can, make, I guess you can identify with it. You make it kind of like a personal relationship. If I vote for you, there are things we want, but I cannot, we cannot always do one individual thing, but you've got somebody who can fight together with others to get it done for you. But the point is, you have got to get out there and make, like you said, make your representative responsible. Call them out on certain things that you ask for them to do. Your, your representative then can talk with the other candidates or other, other council members and kind of work a relationship with them so that they can work to get the things you want. And that is how people have got to learn to do. Don't just say, I'm just not going to vote and be, give up on it. I am going to vote. I am going to go through the process. I am going to work with my candidate. Stay involved, y'all. I am going to work with my candidate to help to get the things that I want done. A candidate one person cannot do it. But you one person can vote for that candidate to work with the other council members. And I have seen a lot of what you said happen. It does happen. People, please don't give up on hope. Keep trying to vote. Look for people who you Respect someone, look at what they've already been doing. Look at the person, the candidates that you want to get out there and vote for, and push them, vote for them, and support them. You have always got to give your support as well,
6: Reverend. I'm gonna ask you this here, uh, and uh, y'all can clap, y'all guess why. And so, uh, I will refrain from cussing this person out. Uh, but this person, Byron Grimsley, on our YouTube page, he goes, typical Democrat speaking on why we can't do something for black people. See, that's the other thing that cracks me up. First of all, like, f- what, what, what's, what's the percentage of black people in Valdosta?
16: 52%.
6: So, 52%, right? Yes,
16: sir.
6: How many black people in the city council? Four. Oh, four. So, there are seven city council members. There are four black people. So, when y'all voting, y'all doing stuff for black people. Well, hold up, if you are voting on something and it's for the residents, are they not black residents? Yes. Okay. The, the, the reason I'm saying that is because, again, I, it drives me crazy when I listen to these people who say, you need to do something specifically for black people. And I've had to walk these idiots through to explain to these idiots and I'm calling them idiots for a reason to understand that when you are an elected official you literally cannot do something specifically for one group now there may be an issue where that group is affected more than anyone else so you take the student loan debt the portal open today african americans are impacted by student loan debt at a higher rate than other groups, was Biden's uh, was loan forgiveness was that specifically for Black students? No. Is it going to help Black students in a significant way? Yes. That's helping Black people. The Affordable Care Act help if we if if based upon percentage more of us are uninsured and we're now an underinsured and we now can be insured that helps black people but there are people who literally are walking around and in their mind they actually think oh you as an elected official you can only do something specifically for black people and nobody else can, can, can y'all explain that that's you can't do that as an elected official
7: that's why it's a process, and you have to tell them that too. You know, you know. yes, we want what you want too, but you just can't, they limit it just to you. We kind of have to look out for the overall group. And that's why I said support your candidates, find somebody who's willing to work in your area, work what you want done, and work for them in that way. But no, it can't be. We have to work for the majority, for the whole group.
6: How do you, Pastor, how are you explaining that? Because again, I I get this constantly on social media where people are thinking that that's that's the only way that I'm going, it's it's not y'all. That's just literally not how the process works.
16: I agree with you, uh, Roland, in what you have said because I I look back, as you said, about the Affordable Care Act and how we said, uh, well, those that didn't agree with President Obama, but what he was doing was something for everybody. And we got to remember that when his second term uh, Congress and the Senate was primarily Republican. So he pushed very hard just to get that through. And that was something for the whole nation, not just for a certain group of people. But we've also got to understand, even on the local level, if we want something done, we have to start making noise. In the words of the late John Lewis, make trouble, make necessary trouble. And so when you start speaking up and speaking out, change will come because one of my frustrations has been uh, when President Biden had the money that was sent down uh, during the pandemic, the majority of that money did not reach the black community and enough of us did not speak out against that. And so they put that money where they wanted to put it, used it how they wanted to use it.
6: And, and this is the thing right here, and I'm bringing my panel uh, back in the studio for a second. Um, and um, here's a perfect example. Uh, this person named Shireen advance Your Life. Uh, who needs to advance her knowledge because she clearly has none. She writes, the Asian hate crime bill was specifically for them, why not us? Shireen? you are a damn liar. I have read this on the air. And I'm gonna say it again to all y'all people who keep posting this stuff, you are a lie. First of all, it was called the COVID-19 Hate Crime Act. Wasn't called, it was not the anti-Asian bill. The bill was passed because there was an increase in a tax on Asians. It was in the intro to the bill. If you actually read the bill, Shireen, which I guarantee you, you didn't read the bill. I'm not sure you can read. But if you can't read, I actually help you out because I read the actual bill on the air. We scrolled it. There is nothing in that bill that says it is specific to Asians. Not the money, nothing. What does that bill do? It creates a database for hate crimes, for all hate crimes. How do I know? Because I read it. Hooked on phonics. I read it. And not only that, Representative Shannon, I'm going to go to you uh, right here. And the other thing is this here. For the simple Simons out there when congress passed the bill when black churches were being burned guess what was in the introduction the number of black churches being burned what did the bill cover churches mosques synagogues was it just black churches no what was the purpose of the bill the spate of fires at black churches same as the so-called Asian hate crime bill. That was mainstream media calling it that because that was the impetus for it, but it was not the Asian hate crime bill. This is why y'all gotta stop, listening to these other fools out here, these YouTube doctors, these YouTube academics who don't bother to actually read. Representative Shannon, you're there in the Georgia legislature. I speak to that because again, these people go, you can only pass a bill for black people, and I keep telling them that's not how city councils, school districts, county commissioners, state boards, Congress works. It doesn't. You can do something that targets a group, but you can't say, oh, this is only going to be for African Americans, only for Hispanics, only for – you just – you can't. Go ahead. Shannon left. She had it 8,
11: o'clock out. Well, we
16: had this eight o'clock
6: out. Is she there? there. Representative Shannon? Uh Omakongo, go ahead.
12: Well, I think it really comes down to... And, and you've brought this up so many times, this thing about sophistication. We don't get involved in really understanding how things work at a granular level. We get caught up in everything that we see in this social media space. And, quite honestly, the closest we get to these elections, the more and more people are bringing out these theories and these ideas to keep us divided and keep us away from the polls. I'm so happy that you're down there in Valdosta actually listening to people actually speaking about what's happening. You got brothers and sisters in the audience united because for those of us who live outside of Georgia, we're hearing all of these rumors about how Stacey Abrams doesn't have support of black men, and then Roland's got to remind people every single day that the number one voting block for Democrats is black women, the number two voting bloc for, for Democrats is black men. And so when you talk about this misinformation that you just talked about with these bills out there, If we don't have continual platforms like this, where we can continually challenge the misinformation and the disinformation, we are going to end up losing people at the polls. Because like you all said on the panel, just having one person not show up is two votes for the other side. And so we have to be vigilant in doing this, not only on these platforms, but like so many people there in the audience are doing, in the streets, on television and local news. If we can do that, if we can really crack that, we have a really strong chance of keeping Georgia on a trajectory that so many people in the audience right there tonight and outside in other parts of Georgia have been doing. We can win that state every election as uh, long as there's no cheating. Mm-hmm.
6: <laughs> you know, uh, Julian, I got uh, so, some do Panther 55. All of theatrics is not helpful. Inform instead of belittle you old clowns or something else. No, I'm a clown some people. Because I I really kind of get sick and tired of people who trash politicians who say, oh, ain't nothing happening, we ain't got this, we ain't got that. But then when they need something, that's who they're trying to call to get something. Uh, And folk don't make the effort. Because, see, if you make the effort to listen to lies and conspiracy theories, you can actually make the same effort to listen to the truth. So, Panther55, I'm going to call a fool a fool. Julian, go ahead.
11: I'm laughing, Roland, because you ought to call a fool of fool. And whoever called and said, uh, don't be little people. On Some... Don't be she... little people. Some... Um, okay, how
6: do I get off mute? All right, we got you. Go ahead.
10: Okay, how do I get off mute?
11: Okay. Go ahead. Um... But again, basically, some people need to be clowned. Some people major in the minor and in misinformation. It does not serve our community at all when people spread these lies or have no knowledge of the political system. You asked Representative Shannon, who apparently went away, but the question you asked her was really appropriate. If you understand how laws are made, you know full well you can't pass a pro-black law. We will, you know, you have to have equal protection. Now, you must, we must pass a law to uh, provide reparations, but that's not a pro-black law. That's a justice law. But in terms of looking at our church burnings, uh, hate crimes, all of that, it's across the board. And predatory capitalism allows people to exploit this hate situation and then to divide us by saying, oh, gee, you did this for the Asians, but you wouldn't do it for us. Done it for everybody. I'm so happy, Roland, that you're down there in Valdosta, Georgia, uh, the place where Mary Turner was lynched, black woman who dared raise her voice. Um, But I'm glad that you're there to basically raise these issues and have a knowledgeable panel of local people to talk about it. What the service has been done here is to show Raphael Warnock and his superiority to that man, um, you know, who played football too long without a helmet, clearly, to have a rational thing come out of his mouth. You basically showed with the gubernatorial debate as well the spoiler role that the libertarian wants to play, who doesn't even know what he's doing, and the lies that Ryan Kemp continues to tell about Stacey Abrams, which he has no right to do. But these folks have majored, again, in the minor and in misinformation, and so we have to keep putting back out there, this is wrong, this is damn wrong, and it has to stop. And it stops by by voting. People have to come out and vote. Don't believe the hype. Reverend Jackson said years ago, uh, there are loose rocks on the ground. He talked about the metaphor of David taking one rock to throw it at Goliath. And throwing that one rock, he basically killed a monster. But there were rocks on the ground that had not been used. That's what the story is of our votes. If you don't vote, you have nothing to say, nothing to say.
6: Uh, before I go to the break, I mean, th- this is the thing that I-, I just need people to understand because it's kind of real, real basic. That was somebody during the George Floyd protest, a young brother, he said, um, I'm not gonna waste my time voting, but I'm going to protest and he was asked, So what are you protesting? He said, I'm protesting to get the policy change. And the person said, Who do you think changes the policies? She said, The root of policy is poly. The root of politician is poly. She said, So if you're going to a march to protest and then you don't vote, all you're doing is going for a walk. (laughs) That's what people would have to understand when you would talk about this concept of voting, how it goes with protest, it goes with active activism. It goes with engagement. It all goes together. Uh, speaking of that, I'm going to go to a quick break. We come back. I'm going to talk to Melina Abdullah with Black Lives Matter uh, Grassroots in Los Angeles. Uh, one of the two LA City Council members uh, who um, refuses to resign after making racism remarks. Well, they've set tents up outside his house since yesterday. Mm-hmm. He has new neighbors.
0: <laughs>
6: and we'll talk about that next on Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Side Network from Valdosta, Georgia.
13: When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure.
1: You know what's on the ballot. It's not just legislation and policies we believe in, it's democracy. Our democracy. There's a choice on the ballot between freedom and fear between cruelty and compassion, between chaos and community, between voting or violence, and the end of rights generations have fought for. The extremists have a plan, a roadmap for a nation where your voice is silenced and your vote is a memory, where they count their votes and cast ours aside. That's why this year, this fight, this vote is so important. Register, engage, volunteer, fight back against the disinformation and despair, and most of all, vote. Because your vote is all that stands between our future and theirs.
13: When we invest in ourselves, we're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing, creating, making moves that move us all forward together we are black beyond measure what's up what's up i'm dr ricky dillard the choir
6: master hey yo peace world what's going on it's the love king of RB, and raheem devon and you're watching Rolla martin unfiltered all right folks welcome back to valdosta georgia um Kevin DeLeon is a city council member in Los Angeles. He was one of the three city council members who was caught on tape making racist remarks. Uh, One of them, the council president, Nuri Martinez, has resigned, DeLeon and Gil Cedillo. They refused to resign so far, well yesterday, Black Lives Matter Los Angeles uh, began their encampments outside his house. Literally, they have erected tents. They are outside of his house uh, there every single day. Joining us uh, is the leader of BLM LA, Melina Abdullah. Melina, glad to have you back on RollerBot Unfiltered. So something happened yesterday. I saw one of Jasmine Koenig's tweets. I thought it was really interesting. So Kevin De Leon decided to call uh, some some Latino brothers to stand with him then y'all had a conversation with them and they flipped to y'all's side. Tell us what happened.
21: That's right, that's right. So Kevin De León has been running around making racist comments, not just racist comments, but engaging in anti-black work to undermine black power and black communities. So Saturday night, um, he had called us just 25 black people yelling. So 25 black people showed up at his house yelling. And then Sunday, what he attempted to do is really stoke a racial divide. And he thought he was going to call in Latinx brothers to come and, and intimidate the mostly black women who were there with our children. Um, and they were there to intimidate and antagonize, we decided that as they were trying to poach some of the media coverage we were receiving, that we were gonna go and listen to what they had to say. And they were saying things that were clearly misinformed. They were asking why we weren't at the border in Texas. And they were saying that we only stand up for black people when they're killed by police. And so we listened to them and then we talked to them for nine minutes and 27 seconds. And um, we talked about, yeah, we weren't on the border in Texas because we live in L.A., but we were on the San Diego border. And then we talked about how, you know, we stand with black people who were killed by police, but if they come to our demonstrations, which we have every Wednesday, we also stand with brown folks, brown families, whose uh, folks are killed by police. And we said we're not there to be anti-Latinx. We're there to check anti-black racism that's coming from one of their leaders, and we wish that they would help to check that. By the end of that conversation, all 10 of those brothers came and hugged us. One of them who was clearly black, um, as well as being Latino, he um, came up and he said, my grandmother is black. He put his arm next to my arm and he said, see, I'm black too. And, you know, we wound up hugging, and um, two of the men were actually um, moved to tears and all but one pledged to come back and support us and demand that Kevin DeLeon resign.
6: So, uh, again, he's resisting this. Uh, the interim council president has stripped him and Cedillo of their uh, campaign, excuse me, their committee uh, post. Uh, but those two uh, still are just refusing. Uh, and so how long do y'all plan on staying out outside of his house?
21: So we said we're gonna camp out until so he we gets out and um, out That's today. exactly what we plan to do. He's being extremely petty repeatedly calling police on us um, you know, we are not violating any um, laws and in fact What's interesting is that his neighbors are coming out in support of us. His neighbors are baking us cookies. They're sending pizzas. They are letting us use their homes to charge our phones. Um, They're really um, supportive of what we're there to do. And so, you know, we're going to be there as long as it takes to get Kevin DeLeon out. He has to be held accountable for his anti-blackness. We can't allow him. These are not just a matter. This is not just a matter of hurt feelings because some people said some hurtful things that pain us. It's also about harm. It's also about minimizing black community. It's also about why they were meeting in the first place, which was to gerrymander, to draw city lines to draw district lines that strip black communities of all of our assets. And so we're there to say that we're not going to let him continue to not just hurt our people, but harm our people. He has to get out. He has to step down. And as long as it takes, we'll be there. And we're going to use every tool in our toolbox, showing up to city council meetings, showing up at his house. He will not have a space of peace until he gives us some peace by stepping down from his post.
6: All right, Melina Abdullah, Black Lives Matter Los Angeles. We appreciate it, thanks a lot.
21: Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
6: Then, folks, uh, I wanna come back to our panel here. Uh, Let me thank Omakongo and Julianne uh, for being on today's show, uh, for joining us as well. Thanks a lot. I wanna get final comments here. Uh, We have a week of early voting uh, here and so um, the the push uh, over the next week. How, how, wh- how what are you doing to maximize black turnout? Because one of the things that I keep saying, and this is this is often lost uh, on us, is that we talk about oh black turnout was 50 percent or 60 percent. Yeah, but the first thing, if you have eligible number of people, uh, and then they're not registering, and then if they are registering, they are not maximizing our numbers. Maximizing our numbers then actually uh, we are losing power. Uh, I argue that at a bare minimum, black turnout should be 75% of all eligible voters or at least all registered voters. So are y'all looking at precinct by precinct, looking who didn't vote last time? Uh, Is door knocking taking place? Uh, I see folks out here uh the divine 9 I see alpha's we always start with alphas Don't don't hate always Jesus was an alpha y'all know So <laughs> so, so so what I'm a- always challenging uh all divine 9 members is that uh... are we out in our colors knocking on doors going door to door and so well, what is happening here in valdosta to, to try to maximize black turnout when it comes to this election
19: uh... we have a coordinated effort here in lounges county working through the state through uh... we have our county uh... democratic chairman here adrian rivers here he, he's an alpha so we've got to give it to you But. We're working together. You ain't got no choice. Right. So we're working together in the divine nine. Like you say, uh, Ronald Screens done a great job of helping coordinate everybody together. So we are working hard from the state level, federal level uh, canvassing, uh, getting literature out. We've been having special events here where people can come out, eat free food and encourage the people to come up. The biggest thing we're trying to do is educate the voters. We're educating the voters. So I'm happy with our Valdosta. We're on top of things. I appreciate Valdosta.
7: And I want to say, too, that we are having a community march to the polls. What, it's going to be um, October the 22nd. The community is having everybody, anybody in the Lowndes County that want to come and march to go to the polls uh, this Saturday morning at 8 o'clock we're asking everybody please come out. We're having all these types of marches. We're educating people. We're trying to connect them. We're talking to them all the time about that. I agree with the D9 doing a lot of things. They've had a lot of incentives. that They have been talking to people. We've been going out, doing a few things. Yes, we wear our colors when we go up and do things like that too. We want it to be visible. We're trying to get everybody connected. Go vote, take somebody to vote, educate you on why you're going to vote, who you're going to vote for, and it is a necessary thing because don't let somebody take something from you that you deserve. You own This is something we should own. We own this. It's mine. I'm going to do it. And that is what we have been trying to do. The community here in Valdosta, is, almost every day we are talking to people. Uh, just to let you know that it's is a community center that we have. We are always telling these people, go vote. We ask them. We show them uh... black lives matter has been very supportive in getting information to people telling them where you go to vote showing them let you know that you know we had a lot of precincts that were changed for the people precincts that were mm-hmm. changed, we've been really trying to educate you on get to know your uh, precinct where it is we've been giving out flyers so they can call places to find out about it as well we want them to get an early start on it and we want them to go and when they go and vote tell somebody they went and vote tell them what it was like and go with them again and take them
6: uh, Pastor, are churches organizing with their buses, getting ready for election day, transporting people to election polls? I mean, look, first of all, it doesn't matter who they vote, but uh, what is happening there with transportation? Because that's always the issue as well. We talk about people getting there, um, voting, but how are we moving folks there? What's happening there?
16: Yes, sir. Again, um, we are organizing, again, under the leadership of President Rivers with the uh, Lowndes County Democratic Party. We're stressing the importance of the souls to the polls, where our churches are using their vans, their buses, their individual personal cars, whatever it takes to get our members, our community members, and neighbors and friends to the polls to vote. It's very important that we vote, especially that we vote this time because we have a slate of, of candidates that that are worthy of making a change in Georgia. And if the time is now for us to make that change, and so we are pushing for that. And I wanna thank you, uh, Roland Martin, for coming to Valdosta and showing the importance of the vote of Valdosta. Thank you. So thank what you. I want us to do is this here.
6: I, I don't want us, whether folks here, if you're across the state of Georgia or you across the country, I don't want us just to tell people, you need to vote. We need to be talking about why? What are the issues? What is actually at stake? Uh, I got these new fools out here who are upset with me. Uh, you know these, these little trolls out here. They call themselves new black media, but they were they were they scared to show their face. Uh, when I talked about uh, what the Republican agenda is, uh, and the person was upset with me because I, I had something to say about that, and I said, "Well, either you with them or you against them. Which one is it?" But it's amazing how they want to answer that question, uh, because. And I'm very clear in terms of what the agenda is. It is not an agenda that is going to benefit black people, period. Now, there have been Republicans that have actually run uh, run, and actually who have governed evenly that actually benefited African-Americans. I will give anybody that credit. I know what's happening in the United States Senate, exactly what's going to happen there uh that it is not going to happen. And so we should be educating people, connecting the dots, getting them to understand uh that uh if you don't vote, shut the hell up. I mean, look, you could complain all day, but to me somebody complain that's like that's that's like uh, uh pipes busted bursting in your house and all somebody does complain are you gonna pick the phone up and call the plumber what are we gonna do? I mean are you gonna sit here and just complain all day and so complaining with no action actually solves nothing. You just run in your mouth. Uh, and so we must get folks to understand and uh, and let me be real clear. Trump maga people, oh, they energized. Yes, They're energized. Yes, and I'm going to say it again. Biden Harris won this state by 11,000 votes in 2020. I can guarantee you without even looking the numbers up that there were more than 11,000 black people in Valdosta alone that did not vote. So the reality is, if you maximize the vote just in this city, you literally could be determining who wins statewide offices. And that's the thinking that we have to understand. And so, uh, so we appreciate it, Ronald. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Uh, despite being a Sigma, it's all good. I'm just messing with you. All right. Uh, so we appreciate everybody coming out. Uh, I see y'all in y'all colors, Greek, non-Greek. Glad to have y'all out here. Uh, tomorrow we're gonna. Yeah, I see y'all Delta stopping. We see y'all back there. Okay. Throwing y'all a little sign up. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Sigma Gamma Rho. Got to sit down. Okay. All right. AK, sit down. Okay. Everybody. Everybody trying to get a shout out. I was somewhere last week, and a brother, he was an I-O-T. He was, bad man, man, you never shout us out. I said, man, I keep forgetting y'all. So, man, I mean, like, come on, come on. So, it, what? I, it's a true story. That's what happened. I told him that. Uh, so, again, glad everybody came out. Tomorrow, we're going to be uh, in Savannah uh, control room. Y'all should have the graphic. Uh, I, I sent to y'all in group GroupMe. Uh, it's called the Community Kickback. Uh, so, we're going to be there. Uh, community Kickback for Raphael Warnock uh, tomorrow, uh, 5 to 7 p.m., Lake Myers. I'll be broadcasting the show from there uh, as well. Who they got me talking to? Let me shout their names out here. Uh, I'll be talking with uh, Sabria Scott, Gary Gordon, Zelonia Williams, and Ben uh, Polite Jr. And so uh, looking forward to uh, chatting uh, with all of them. Uh, So, again, that's tomorrow, uh, Lake Myers. So looking forward to that. And then I'll be back in Georgia next uh, Monday and Tuesday. I have no idea what I'm going to be, but I'll be back in the state uh, then. So we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Everybody watching, thanks a lot. Don't forget, download our app. Uh, the Black Star Network app, available on all platforms, Apple Phone, Android Phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. And of course, in a couple of weeks we launch our 24-hour streaming channel. Uh, we first signed on Amazon. We're going to be on other platforms as well, so really looking forward to that. And again, support us in what we do by joining our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, check in money orders and go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C. 20037-0196. Cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is our Mark Unfiltered, Venmo is RM Unfiltered, Zell is rolling at RolandSMartin.com, rolling at Martin For the folks who are watching, get my book, White Fear How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. People keep asking, what's your book about? Uh, I kind of made it clear. Uh, you can get the book, Ben Bella Books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Indie Bound, Bookshop Chapters, uh, also uh, Books a Million, Target. You can download it from Audible, and also you can, uh, of course, uh, order through your favorite black bookstore. Uh, and I didn't do this. I was in uh, Swainsboro last week. Uh, th- I didn't bring the books, but a bunch of folks there actually had their copies, so I signed them there. So I did bring some books. I'll be signing, selling them and signing them over here as well for the folks here if you want to get one. And so, folks at home, get your copy uh, as well. Thanks so much. I'll see y'all tomorrow from uh, Savannah, Georgia, as we continue for the second day of uh, early voting in Georgia. Y'all in the hall always in the show. y'all take care. Holla!